When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Consistently inconsistent. Those were the words of Tom Izzo after Michigan State's loss to a shorthanded Illinois team on Tuesday night. It's the latest twist in the saga that is this year's Michigan State basketball team, which appeared to be on the upswing after winning at Wisconsin late last week. Where did the Spartans go from here with the game against rival Michigan on deck? And what is the ultimate ceiling of this team? We will discuss on episode 65 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Wednesday, January 26, 2022. Matt, Kyle, good to talk to you as always. Uh, consistently inconsistent what do you guys think uh new name for the podcast <laughs> i i've heard that one before if you can find a team that is in college basketball that is not consistently inconsistent uh let me know um because that's especially in the big 10 i mean that, that that's how it goes this time of year right yeah i mean it's that's how it goes it's up and down it's it's uh back and forth. I mean, it's a tough league. So, and we see all, I mean, there's, like you said, last year, I guess we had Gonzaga and Baylor that were kind of like the cream of the crop the whole season. But I mean, you see it every night in and out. I mean, teams are losing, getting upset. It's just kind of the nature of the beast in the sport. Did I see Alabama lost to Georgia last yes, night? Like they did. Yes. Well, like, yes, Michigan the D2 not doing down there at, yeah. Right. I mean, they're not doing that at least. So yeah. And Duke almost lost to Clemson. I mean, right. it's 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 constant, man. It's I guess that's just the sport, and that's why we love it. So you mm-hmm. have a good trip to Champaign, though, Kyle. Uh, no, um, uh, <laughs> I uh, I was gonna fly there, and the uh, the flight uh, ran into some mechanical issues, so last minute I had to jump behind the wheel and uh, haul there myself um, in the car, uh. which is not my preferred method of travel. But we got there, um, and, and no issues after that. So um, uh, if that's if that's the worst travel hassle I have this year, I'll take it. And at least Champagne is the easiest destination to get to in the Big Ten, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, flying, no, it is. It is not uh, an easy. It was a surprisingly easy drive past Chicago, though. A uh, mm-hmm. whole bunch, whole bunch of nothing between Champagne and Chicago. So I'll take that. Oh. And Matt, you've never had the pleasure of of being in Champagne, right? Uh, not for work. Um, I was there once a very long time ago in my early twenties, um, picking up a friend's brother as a favor. Somewhat, we were driving from this area to St. Louis and I had to get somebody in Milwaukee and swing down through Champaign, picked up my buddy's brother at a frat house at like two 30 in the morning. And you can imagine what state he was in. <laughs> and he was, and this is before smartphones and all that, where you got your map and he's telling the directions and we get like an hour into the trip. And then he drunkenly from the back seats is like, Oh yeah, you just been going the whole, the wrong way the whole time. <laughs> 
So that was a hell of a way to continue a drive. Um, I don't think we heard a word from him about the rest of the time. Got into St. Louis at about eight in the morning and I think a beer and some breakfast were, were on the menu. The kind of things, you, the kinds of things you do when you're, when you're really young that you look back now on like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> See, Kyle, so, it can always gotta, be worse. I got to share. I had yeah. one champagne story for you. Yeah, it can always be worse, Kyle. So just be glad that didn't happen to you, you know, driving driving the wrong way. Matt, 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 Matt can always top me in terms of tales of woe. So um, <laughs> you, you can do that. All right. Well, we appreciate everyone for listening today. Uh, if you could please like, rate, and review the podcast, we would very much appreciate it. Check out our work on MLive.com slash Spartans. Kyle's got his uh, post-game Illinois stuff up there right now. Um, and that's obviously staying on top of all the off-season football news. Um, but we very much appreciate you for listening and uh, checking it out. So let's get into it, Kyle. Uh, I mean, we, we haven't talked since uh, Michigan State's win at Wisconsin, which for my money was, uh, I mean, their best performance of the year, or at least one of them. Um, and then they obviously lose to Illinois last night. So, um, I mean, I don't know if we need to get into the Wisconsin game too much because I, I think overall it was just a really encouraging performance from them, something we've been waiting to see. But um, it, it all comes back crashing the other direction uh, last night with a, with a close one-point loss to Illinois, um, who was playing without Andre Cabello and Kofi Coburn, their All-American candidate. Um, so, I mean, the, the second half, I think, w- was fine for Michigan State, but again, another slow start. And I know you asked, I, I think you asked Izzo, I mean, I watched the press conference, sounded like you, that you asked him about the slow starts and the turnovers at the start of games. I mean, just, just a bad start for Michigan State, and you cannot do that against good teams on the road. Yeah, you know, they only ended up with 11 total turnovers, which is low for them. But I, I did think turnovers were a major reason they lost because they had nine in the first half. Um, Illinois, I thought, did a great job of, turning those around quickly, turning most of them into points, um, getting 15, I think 15 points off turnovers in the first half. And that's why they're up 14 and coming back from 14 down on the road in that environment. Um, that's just an enormous hole to put yourself in. So they, they played a good second half, um, played really good, well, defensively down the stretch, got their offense working a little bit better, uh, but they just dug themselves too big of a hole. Um, in another one of those games where it was lost um, early. Uh, I thought Illinois took them out of their offense better than most teams have been able to. Um, just really no good looks at shots. Um, you know, the ball movement was a lot tougher for them. Kind of making them go one-on-one a little bit more than other teams have, and that's not really Michigan State's game. You know, they you know they want to move the ball, um, make three, four passes, get an open shot, and, and that wasn't happening. Uh, they got a little bit, I mean, they were obviously trying to go inside. I thought, uh, with Kofi, not there and they got a little bit of that, but not really consistently. Uh, and then Illinois slowed their breakdown. I thought really well, you know, they had one good stretch. I think Gabe Brown had back to back, um, fast break baskets there in the first half, but really other than that, um, not a whole lot going on the break. So I I thought Illinois was prepared for them. I thought that they took them out of their offense better than most teams at 34 and a half. I think they shot from the field. That's their lowest percentage of the year. Um, and it was under 30 in the first half. I think they shot like 29 in the first half. So I thought Illinois uh, really played well. Um, uh, they were they clearly really needed that game. I mean, they had lost two straight. Um, I, I think, um, you know, they, they're coming back home after. Uh, I mean, it was kind of like Michigan State after Northwestern. You know, they 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 uh, they played their worst game of the year at uh, Maryland. I think they were really motivated coming home. And uh, I think having guys out. You know, obviously it hurt them overall, but, um, you know, the way like I like a guy like Trent Frazier played in the first half, like he, he looked like a guy who was on a mission 
you know, that his team was not going to lose. And, and I didn't see anybody in Michigan State uniform really playing the same way. Yeah, I mean, Trent Frazier obviously was on a mission. At, I mean, played 36 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know Izzo likes what they did. I mean, two for 10 from three, six for 15. So, I mean, I thought he was on his way to dropping a 30 on him. Uh, he ends up with 16. And, I mean, part of that was the good play in the second half. But just three for 14 from three for Michigan State. And that was kind of the only – I mean, as Michigan State in the second half was playing well, uh, they just couldn't make a shot at that point. So, mm-hmm. it was more like the, the the mental stuff went away. But then – you know, just physically not being it, the ball wouldn't go down. I mean, it was just one of those nights and it, and it ended up costing them. Even so Michigan state still in the, uh, has a chance at the end there. Actually, before I go there, I want to, I want to address the turnover thing. Uh, because I thought Izzo in response to your question mentioned, uh, he mentioned they need to fear turning the ball over. I think is what he said <laughs> was his words. Like, uh, maybe taking a, a, a more steady, stern approach to that. I know he said at times he's been a little too easy on this team. So he said, I think he said something about changing his tactics in practice this week. I don't really know what else to do uh, at this point because we continue to see just the ridiculousness of the turnovers. I mean, Max Christie had one where he just threw it into the bench. I mean, it's yeah. just uh, AJ Hogarth continues to just fly into players for no particular reason. I mean, it's just... It's just disheartening because it takes you out of the game, but you kind of already reacted to that. So uh, I just wanted to note that in there. Well, the thing you brought up that I think is interesting is Thomas seems conflicted as to how to kind of treat this team. Um, It's like he's had the kid gloves on all year. And he he said that several times. And if you, if you watch him during games, like he's not like blowing his top off all the time, like normal is though. Like, you like can he tell jokes. he wants to. Yeah, like he, he like he <laughs> jokes that he's just about bitting his tongue off by now, you know, because he's, yeah. he's clenching so hard over there. And and the the best thing about Illinois is they have the best media seats in the Big Ten because you sit essentially like right behind this forest table, but right by the Michigan State bench. So I was probably six feet from Tom Izzo through that whole game. So um, uh, it was very apparent to me how much he um, how much he was trying to contain himself in that first half. And, um, you know, if there, I'm not sure what it is, you know, if there's something he sees in this team that he thinks that that's the way to go, as opposed to really kind of blowing his top and, um, and yelling at him. Um, that seems to be his preferred tech, but um, yeah, he, he said last night, he, he want, he's gonna, he's thinking about changing tactics you know and you know sometimes he says those things kind of in the heat of the moment when he's upset after a game um so we'll see if he if he really does if we see a different sort of time is on the bench but yeah he um he does seem kind of at his wits end as to how to um how, how to get these things to stop happening because they're you know it's like it's not because they're pushing the ball it's not because you know other teams they're pacing pressing teams it's like they're just you mentioned two of the dumb ones you know um, they're just making weird decisions, you know, Tyson Walker dribbles in, um, kind of loses it a little bit and then just chucks it out of bounds trying to, you know, throw it out. Like it's, they're weird, weird things that I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about them at this point. It's just strange that it's still happening. There's no way to coach it. I mean, it's just, it's just mental focus. I don't know. Like, it's just weird. It's like, there's a block, but okay, let's get to the end of the game. Uh, I mean, Michigan state battles all the way back. I think they held was uh, Illinois off the board for like five minutes uh, to to get back in the game. Yeah. Um, So last play of the game, you got Tyson Walker bringing the ball up. He runs a pick and roll with Malik Hall. You had Joey Hauser coming around uh, a screen coming up to top for like his top of the key three. And then you had the pick and roll action. I watched the play like four times, Kyle. I don't really see what what they were going for there. Maybe you have better insight into that, but uh, ends up with a, with a Tyson Walker pull up mid range jumper, which I mean, 
I think that's an okay it was, shot. It was an okay. I mean, we've been yeah. wanting. No, no. I I think it was fine. We've been wanting Tyson Walker to be aggressive. So yeah. I mean, you can't. And Izzo said as much after the game. He needs him being aggressive and more mm-hmm. with more playing with more confidence. And I didn't hate the shot. I mean, I it bounced off the front of the rim. It didn't go in. But I mean, it, it was an okay look from mid range. And we saw him knock one of those down just a few minutes earlier. But. Uh, was that the, was that the, I, I don't think you guys asked him directly about it after the game, but I, I was a little bit confused what the play actually was. I thought getting Malik Hall the ball and sort of getting him going at the basket and then everyone charging uh, might have been the, the, what they were going for. But it was hard to tell. Yeah, uh, I, it's hard. I haven't dug into it that much. I mean, every play is going to have options, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe that was an option and maybe um, Illinois took that away. Um, so um, but, it, you know, it ended up um with i mean i think a decent percentage shot you know uh tyson walker and a pretty short pull-up like that i i I think that they certainly could have done worse than that um and but yeah i mean i i I, can we talk about lick hall a little bit too because you mentioned oh i'm wanting to go to him like he scored i mean i know he missed the free throw which um yeah, he wants to make that free throw. Um, it's not his fault they lost the game. Uh, but, 14 for 17 from the game, which is right. kind of like a little twisting of the I know, knife. Of you didn't course, get the but, one you needed. <laughs> but he scores their last, uh, let's see, five points of the game, um, seven points in the last six minutes. Like He's the only reason that they had a chance, um, you know, um, in the last two minutes to, to make that free throw. And, um, you know, like we talked about Gabe Brown being the guy uh, a couple weeks ago and man, now it's like Malik Hall. It's like, um, you know, at Wisconsin, they cut it to six, boom, boom. He makes two big buckets and it's up to 10 again and they're running away with it again. Um, he has been a clutch guy for them. Um, he's, he's like the only guy, it seems like, that it's like, we need a bucket. We can give it to him. He's going to make a move and create a shot and make it. It's like, is there anybody else really on the team? I, I mean, maybe like a big, you know, maybe like a Marcus Bingham at times, but like, he he's the i mean he, that's been such a critical thing for them i think in some of these key mm-hmm. games and he uh, my only question now is like how, how do you get him more shots and how do you get him more minutes because you know with the way he's shooting the ball his percentages like like i want to see more uh, of malik Hall, and i think michigan state would benefit from more of them i've been on that horse all year kyle <laughs> i've been <laughs> trying to say it i've been saying it all year like malik hall's got to play more i mean it's and you mentioned a couple pods ago how it didn't seem like the staff was um, you know, maybe they they weren't drawing plays up for him. They weren't utilizing him as much as they said. And I, I think Tom Izzo said, you know, it was a mistake on my part not to play Malik Hall more in the first half. And and I completely agree with that. I mean, I put him out there. He's I put it out on Twitter. Most people seem to agree with me as well. I mean, he's he's just a diverse offensive weapon. He he gets hot so quick. He's he's like Vinny Johnson, the microwave. Like he comes mm-hmm. in and he just gets cooking. And and he has a diverse game. He can make threes. He can get to the bucket. Uh, he's I mean we saw the the slick little spin move in the lane and the kick out to Joey Hauser last night. I mean he's just an active player who makes things happen. Now I think he does struggle with maintaining that aggressiveness at times, probably because he's trying to play within the flow of Michigan State's offense. But mm-hmm. uh, especially on nights when when Gabe Brown and Max Christie don't have their shots falling to your other main scorers. Malik Hall's got to be that guy. And I absolutely uh, want to see him playing a bunch of minutes. I don't know if that means starting him over Joey Hauser. If you want to keep starting Joey Hauser, fine, whatever, but they both should be playing starters minutes and Malik, it plays 22 a game. So it's not like he's not playing, but yeah, uh, he needs more consistent minutes maybe so that he has more freedom to, to get cooking. So he had, he had 14 against Wisconsin uh, best mm-hmm. player huge buckets in the second half and they were calling plays for, you know, like you just mentioned, uh-huh. like they, they hadn't been, they were um, several of those, as I mentioned afterwards, your play calls for him. So 
on the I, block. I don't know how, yeah. Right, on the block. And I, I don't know how you go from that to eight minutes in the first half against Illinois with zero shot attempts. Although he did have one shot that he made that Gabe Brown took away from him. But officially, <laughs> zero, officially zero shot attempts. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I, like, I don't know how they're – and when they're playing poorly, it's not like other guys were cooking and they didn't need him. Um, you know, so yeah, he needs, they need to figure out a way to get him more involved because, um, he's shooting, what is he shooting? Like almost 60% from the field, 50% from, from three point range. Um, uh, obviously picking his spots very carefully. Um, here I got it up. He's there. at, fi- he's at 59.5% from the field, 54% from three. Like that's crazy. Like, like, like get the kids take more, more shots, shots yeah take more <laughs> shots so um yeah i mean it finally started happening down the stretch um but yeah it's tricky i mean i thought two of their three best players last night were power forwards um you know plug yours if you don't want to hear it but joey hauser played pretty well last night um mm-hmm. um uh, you know maybe not scoring a ton but you know rebounding um doing some things well so i mean it's tricky i mean i don't know if you slide him to the perimeter a little bit more if you do more, how is your five, four? I mean, that's been hit or miss. Um, although, you know, their ball screen defense last night, uh, they, they needed some improvement there. It might have been worth trying because. Um, Marble was struggling yeah, with that last night. It was Marble. So I think you've got options. But, you know, if I'm in a coach's office this week, that's what I'm trying to figure out because he um, he has been a very efficient player um, for them. And, and it's not like he's just scoring. He's rebounding and defending too. Um, so. Um, I need to, I, I would like to see me some more Malik Hall going forward. I think we will based on Izzo's comments last night. I think we will. And he's been, I mean, he's been this kind of guy since he arrived on campus. I mean, look back to his freshman year, dropping 17 at Seton Hall in a big mm-hmm. ranked ranked game. And he basically won that game for him. I mean, he was, I mean, obviously got Cassius and Tillman and those guys, but he was the difference in that game, the way he, he stepped up and won it. So uh, he's been having these moments basically since he arrived on campus. He's an upperclassman captain at this point. I don't really see any reason why he, can't play you know top two three minutes on the team uh in regards to other you know minute breakdowns i mean marcus bingham just plays uh oh that's that's wisconsin here marcus bingham plays 18 minutes clearly just doesn't have the stamina to go much more than that because in an amazing game last night 13 points six rebounds four blocks he seems to be working his way back and starting to look more like that guy uh that we saw in november um but he he just struggles with conditioning. I think that's clear at this point. He can't go for 25 minutes a game or maybe he can eventually, but it doesn't seem like he can right now. And we mentioned the struggles Marble had. I mean, he's, he's decent offensively. He can at least go in there as a big body, but he was struggling with the pick and roll and Mati Sissoko continues to just get lost on defense. They put him in for a minute and he gave, he gave up a bu- uh, an alley-oop. So he's unplayable right now. I'd rather go with small ball than Mati Sissoko. So but Bingham, I mean, you met, you said it last week. He might be the guy that ultimately decides the ceiling of this team um, just because of how valuable he is, uh, especially defensively, but just all around uh, to this team. Yeah, and it's, you know, it, it's just a shame because I, I think the if it really is the COVID, I think that's, you know, he had worked so hard to do his conditioning all summer and he was excited and like, I'm ready, you know, 20, 25 minutes, you know, I can handle it and um, it seems like the COVID, the COVID is just, you know, kind of thrown it out the window and really, and it was really a step back for him. Um, and maybe he gets there, but, you know, building that up during the season, um, I think is difficult for a player. So I, I hope that he can play. I mean, you would think 18 minutes was his max last night because he was far and away their best big, 
option mm-hmm. um i thought playing the best um so you know if 18 minutes was his max last night you, you hope that he can he can stretch that out a little bit more uh because you know if they can get him back closer to 22 24 minutes a game um i think they'd be better off for him. i mean there's some nights where julius marvel's playing better and you can go to him with um, when that's the case, but uh, last night I thought that they needed every minute out of Marcus Bingham that they could have, and you know if, if maybe if he can go another six minutes, maybe that's a different game because I thought the gap between him and the other bigs last night was more significant than usual. Is this team just a, just a year away from truly contending? I, I mean, they 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 have so many pieces, and it, it, I think that's why people get frustrated is because on any given night you have you know five six guys on this team, maybe more that can that can give you above average play. And then the next night it's, they're gone. Like AJ Hogarth, it was his turn last night. Dreadful game from him. He's coming after coming off one of his best games. And it's just not to single him out because there's about six or seven guys that have had this happen to him. Gabe Brown has disappeared after a strong start. I mean, uh, what was the game? Was it, was it Nebraska or Penn State when he was just everywhere? Just, just like playing like one of the best players in the country. Mm-hmm. And then he's completely fallen off after that. Um, you know, Max Christie's a freshman. He had a rough game, you know, last night. The, the students are getting on him. You know, stay home. This is what you get for leaving. That's how it goes in the Big Ten. Which I didn't just, get, by the way. Did Illinois even recruit him or was that just because he's from the state? I, I don't really know. I, I mean that it seemed like he was going Michigan state for a long time, but so I, I don't really know, but it's just, are they just a year away? Like, do they just need to go through these? Are they just a good, not great team this year? I I don't know. I don't know if they're a year away. I mean, maybe Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham come back, but like, you know, they've got, those guys are seniors, um, you know, in any normal year, you know, this would be the end of their career. I, I just think they've got a bunch of pretty good players. Um, and nobody, you know, really great. You know, I honestly, I, I think the staff kind of thought and hoped that Max Christie would have kind of risen above and been like the guy. And and he's been good. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't think he's been a disappointment, but um, he's a freshman and he's just having ups and downs. I think he's got the best potential. If they want a guy that come late February, early March, it's like, hey, you're the dude on this team. Um, I still think Max Christie's got a chance to be that guy. Um, you know, we were talking, uh, you know, a game a week or two ago about Gabe Brown being it. And I think he, um, I think he's feeling a little more defensive pressure right now. And he's got to figure out how to, how to work to get his shots because he's, he needs to be more of a factor, um, one way or the other, um, in these games. But yeah, I mean, I, maybe they're your way and a lot of these guys are going to come back and they'll be better for it. But I just, I, I think they're what they've been really They were this last year too. I mean, they're a team with a lot of pretty good players, but no, you know, no one or two guys who stand out as the best um, mm-hmm. and more, more so than any team in the big 10. It seems like every, you know, you got Johnny Davis, you got Keegan Murray, you got Kofi Coburn, you know, seems so like many, every team has a star. Every team has like Michigan a star State. and Michigan takes <laughs> the one without it. Then, you know, there's nights where it seems like that's great. Like, like against, um, against Wisconsin, they have three guys come off the bench and score in double figures. And it seemed great that night. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Last night, it's like, they kind of needed a guy, it seemed like at times. And um, I thought Malik called it his best. But, you know, it's not like when you had Cassius or Denzel um, out there. And it's like you had a guy who was going to take over and not let the team lose. And um, I'm not seeing that from this team right now. Well, just 12 points combined from Gabe Brown and Max Christie is not going to cut it on most nights. And it's amazing that they're even in the game considering the the dreadful first half. So, um, you know, the, the beat goes on with this team. It's like a game-by-game analysis. I still think Sweet 16 is their ceiling, uh, the way they're playing right now. 
Um, I, I mean, that's what I, I put a poll out today and I said, well, Michigan State make the Sweet 16. Hey, shocking. My followers say 75 percent uh, they are going to make the Sweet 16. But, uh, you know, that, that a lot of that depends on matchups and right. whatnot. But right now, I, I would say that, you know, I, I, it's a, a decently safe bet that they're one of the top 16 or 20 teams in the country. But uh, I don't really see them beating a one or two seed in March, at least not right now. This team could put it together down the stretch. We'll see. They, I, I, they have I the do, talent. I do think they're defending and rebounding well enough to be in the game every night. Um, yeah. And, you know, last night they didn't hit their shots. I, I do. I have been kind of waiting for their offense to come back down to earth. I think Illinois had a lot to do with it. But the percentages they put up for most of January, like I just didn't think were going to be sustainable as far as shooting. So, um, I, I mean, I, I, I think it's good that they shot the way they did and were in a one-point game. And, you know, big picture, I know – they were disappointed last night, but you know, I said last week, if they can split those two games on the road, I think that'd be a good, a good result. And they did. Mm-hmm. And their one loss was by one point. And I know they didn't have Kofi and Corbello, but um, big picture last two games. I, I think they're just fine. They're still right there in the thick of things. And you got Michigan this weekend. So, I mean, we're not really, and I don't really see a whole lot of value in like previewing basketball games. I mean, maybe you and Andrew are going to do another preview. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, that, I just like to react to them more, which is why I'm not really worrying about the previews as much, but obviously a big game in East Lansing uh, this weekend and Michigan is somewhat desperate. They seem like they found their mojo a little bit. So uh, obviously a big game whenever those two get together and uh, it comes at an interesting time that, you know, especially if that second game doesn't get rescheduled, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're not even to, it's to February in Michigan, Michigan state uh, games are off the schedule, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. I, the, the one thing I'll say, and I agree, we don't need a full preview, but the one thing I'll say is like, I feel like I've been waiting so long to see how Marcus Bingham and Michigan state defends like an elite big man, because they keep mm-hmm. having the elite big man. They're about to face, not play in the game. You know, Pete Nance, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe not elite, but a good big man. Uh, and Kobe Coburn, certainly elite big man. Uh, they don't face them. So I'm still waiting to see. Um, and, uh, but you know, um, all indications are that they will have that in hunt and, um, Hunter Dickinson, um, on Saturday and he, uh, He's playing well, you know, he looks, you know, he had kind of a tough start to the year, but he's playing like an all American and Marcus Bingham is getting better, had one of his best games of the year on Saturday. So I think two guys trending in the right direction and really curious to see how that matchup plays out and, and, and there'll be help and there'll be other guys too, but that's the main, the main action there for me. We'll get to football here in a second. We did get one basketball question. You guys can send us your questions, uh, you know, through through the subscriptions or through Twitter or wherever you want, really. Uh, we, you know, for, especially for football, it's off season now. So, I mean, question, football questions will be welcomed for sure. Um, but Kyle, quick basketball question. I mentioned Mati Sissoko's struggles. What do you think Mati Sissoko's ceiling is this year and beyond? It's hard to say right now. Yeah, it's hard to say right now. I, I, I don't see his role really changing at all this year. Um uh, just with, like you said, the struggles. I mean, um, I, I mean, he, he's still an elite athlete, an elite rim protector, you know, and it's like he's got all the physical tools. So if it clicks for him as far as being in the right place, not getting lost on defense, um, you know, I, I do think, you know, I don't see him starting or anything next year, but I think he could be a playing rotation big next year. But um, you know, I, I, I do wonder if, um, you know, he was a project big, you know, from the start and, um, I don't know, I guess I'm, I'm curious as to when this is going to kind of all click for him, because I, like you said, in the beginning, I agree with you. I thought it was going to be farther along by now. Um, and it's not, and I, the couple of times we've seen him in a more extended time, it, I mean, that's been clear. So, um, I, 
listen, I, I've been, I wrote off Marcus Bingham at one point, I think too, that it wasn't clicking for him and he's playing really well right now. So it, it's not too late, but um, start. Yeah. I do think it's fair to wonder at this point, you know, if it's going to happen for him. If Jackson Kohler comes in next year and is performing better than Mati Sissoko, I think it's time to panic. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Kohler <laughs> Co- like- Co- is going to be more advanced as far as his footwork and some of his technique stuff. I wonder about him physically, though. You know, mm-hmm. I think he's going to have to um, he's going to have to learn how to play against the big boys, which Sissoko, to his credit, doesn't have to learn. He's a big boy and he can and he already knows how to do it. So kind of different different strengths for those two. But yeah, I mean, if he's getting passed up again, um, then um, then, yeah, you, you wonder what the role is. The good thing about Kohler is he does have a shot, uh, at least from the scouting reports and he stuff does. that I read. Great, um, so, great footwork, great footwork. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely not as raw as Mahdi is, no. that, that's for sure. So maybe he'll be more college-ready coming in. But, yeah, I mean, it's almost like uh, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I, I, you just don't want, like, a true freshman outperforming a junior is all. You, know? you don't, so. but, like, I, 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 I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. But I do I do hope that Kohler doesn't have, like, a Thomas Kithier problem, you know, just as far as his size and athleticism being able to compete. But uh, we'll see. Right. You know, obviously the staff evaluated him hard and took him. So um, they're going to think he can do it. So we'll see. And he's been rising, too. He's up to right. 54th nationally on 2-4 mm-hmm. Sport, 2-4. Two, Two four seven. So uh, he's been rising as well. So um, anything else on basketball, or should we get to football? Uh, no, no. Let's get do the Matt the Matt Wenzel news minute here. Yes, the Matt Wenzel news minute. We love it. The transfer roundup. Uh, not too many transfer portal roundups this week, Matt. But uh, yeah, run us down with the football news, and then we got a couple football questions here too. All right, I'm trying to make this quick. Uh, missed this on the last. I forgot to mention this in the last podcast. Uh, Kendrick Riscano, however that's pronounced, uh, 2023 four-star running back, and committed to Michigan State. That's like eight nine days ago. Um, you know, long way out for that cycle. You know, they've only got two commits in the 23 class, but both are four stars, so things are looking good at least on the recruiting front for for Mel Tucker. Uh, see some transfer news. C.J. Hayes is headed to Syracuse. Ricky White to UNLV and Michael Dowell to Miami of Ohio after he had previously signed apparently with, with Pittsburgh. Don't, you know, something happened there. Uh, Dowell had, you know, he announced his commitment and uh, on the 31st, which was the day after the Peach Bowl. So you can understand why he was not with the team for the uh, Peach Bowl against Pittsburgh, which was supposed to be his next school. And then he had tweeted uh, last week or the week, whatever it was that, you know, due to unforeseen circumstances, he won't be heading there. So now he's going to play in his home state. Um, Jacob Asaya is a new transfer portal exit for Michigan state redshirt junior offensive lineman um, really just played on special teams for Michigan state for the most part, you know, a little bit of spot duty here and there um, notable because I mean, his, his grandfather's Bob Pisa, who's an all American fullback for the Spartans won a couple of national championships and was inducted in the MSU Athletics Hall of Fame in 2017. Um, and but Matt, then, he played against Ohio State. He got in the biggest game of the year. <laughs> uh, that was like two years ago when he was on offense. I know. So, I, know. I just uh, saw yeah. him share the photo of, of Ohio yeah, State. I'm like, yeah. well, that couldn't have been good. <laughs> I think he played three offensive snaps this season, if, if, pro, if I remember that right, according to Pro Football Focus. But um, it's fine. You know, he's you know, graduating. So that's two guys from Bishop Gore. Actually, I don't know if they don't have anybody left from Bishop Gorman now, do they? Because they lost that pipeline cooking again. Naylor, Naylor to the NFL, Naotete and Asaya to the portal. I think uh, that might be it for them. Let's see. 
Jason Richardson's son is the point guard at Bishop Gorman, so that'll be the oh, next really? Oh, really? Oh, okay. All right. Well, right. So switching like the basketball the too. Yeah. All right. I like the sound of that, Kyle. Bring him in. Let's go. He's only sophomore, so you gotta wait. Oh, Jay Rich is one of my favorite all-time players at State. Man, that guy was exciting. Sorry, Matt. Go ahead. No, no, it's all good. Um. So and then let's see. I don't think there's anything else other than I got a FOIA back yesterday for some coach contracts. Um, two new ones. So, Brand Jordan, the new pass rush specialist, signed a two year deal at 225 a year, or t- yeah, 225,000 a year. Ephraim Reed, 200 a year. And um, Chris Kapilovic, the offensive line coach and running game coordinator, got a extension and a raise. He's now making a million dollars a year. And that's a $300,000 raise. And I'll tell you what Mel Tucker thinks of him. He's constantly praised him as one of the best offensive line coaches, he says, in the country, whether it's college or the NFL. Um, last January, he named him assistant head coach. So, um, obviously thinks highly of Kapilovic, whose contract would have expired in March, but, and reportedly had, uh, USC coming after him. So Mel locks up a guy he really likes for another couple of years and that, you know, a little chunk of money. And, and whenever you have an assistant coach making more than a million dollars a year, tells you where college athletics and college football are going. Um, <laughs> obviously a change from what it, Kyle, i trying to remember what did, uh, Narduzzi get to when they kept them. Was he at like nine, eight, nine? They got they got pretty high, but I don't think they ever got to a million dollars as an assistant until now. Did they? So they it, it, was, it was pretty close to it. Was it I mean, I, I, I remember yeah, it was basically to the point where it's like they paid him enough where he was going to have to take like a power five job to leave, you know, um, to make it worthwhile leaving, which is really all you could do for your assistants, right? Yeah, man. I mean, that's yeah. I I couldn't remember the number off the top of my head, but I knew he he was close to there. But you know, Mel when he signed his his contract extension in November, uh, the salary pool for his assistants increased from it was six million to I think I believe it, uh, the contract said like at at least seven point five million. So obviously they give him a little more money to to keep the guys he wants or go out and get some people, and he still got one spot on his staff to fill. Um, after Ron Burton left, so you know you would expect it to be a defensive line coach, um, but so far he has not announced anything. Um, yeah, I think that's basically it for the Peyton's dad. News. Oh yeah, and uh, the reports a number of them actually North Central College itself said he's going to go join the staff at Western. So uh, Peyton Thorne's dad, Jeff Thorne, is has resigned as the head coach at North Central, which is a very good Division three program in uh, in Illinois. They won the national title in 2019, didn't play in 20 because of COVID, and they lost in the national championship game um, this year. So reports are he's joining uh, Tim Lester's staff at Western as the offensive coordinator, which is interesting because Michigan State plays Western Michigan in the season opener this year. So <laughs> <laughs> hell of a storyline uh, in, in September there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, good for Jeff. I, you know, he seems by all accounts a nice guy, very good coach. Him and, him and Tim Lester go back a long ways. And it's just kind of another one of those weird dynamics where, you know, obviously Peyton was committed to Western for quite a while before Michigan State came in late and flipped him. Um, obviously, Jaden Reed was at Western before going to Michigan State. And, you know, Tim um, and Jeff go back a ways. And, and Tim was actually on staff at North Central College when Peyton's grandfather jeff's dad was the head coach there so just kind of an interesting thing and uh good to see him get a you know shot at a you know apparently be a coordinator at, at a you know it's not power five but still western's got a pretty good program 
So if you're Michigan State's defensive staff and you're preparing for Western, do you go to Peyton and say, hey, what are your dad's tendencies? What do we, what do we, what do we expect <laughs> here? And if you're Peyton, do you tell them or do you say, no, I'm loyal to my dad? And off. vice versa. And, yeah. and you know, when, when the when Western wants to, when the deep coordinator comes in wanting to know what to look for on your son, I mean, <laughs> he's, really, he's, he's really bad at this. Make him do this. He's terrible at it. That's a, yeah. Oh yeah. man, <laughs> brutal. That's brutal. What so, What are the chances that this is mentioned on the broadcast? <laughs> I'd say pretty decent. You know, I think we'll hear we'll hear that a few more times. Uh, maybe then we'll hear that uh, Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed went to high school together. So. Oh, no, they didn't. That can't be true. Uh, Yeah, no, drink every time uh, a thorn is mentioned in the connection in that game, and you will not see the end of the fourth quarter. So, uh, yeah, but that's just a fun little story. I mean, it'll be cool, obviously, talk about that more uh, when the season rolls around. Uh, There's it's like six degrees outside and snow on the ground. So we don't really have to worry about games right now, unfortunately, but uh, we did get a couple football questions, Matt. And again, thank you for your questions. We're happy to answer them again, especially on the football side, uh, because you know, we need stuff to talk about. So uh, here's one, please predict the biggest new addition to the roster via high school commitment or transfer between now and May. I know what I would answer, but. Well, I mean, I assume we're, we'll just limit this con- the, the conversation to guys that were mid-year additions that are now on campus, um, mm. you know, between the transfers. So there's a total of well, 14 scholarship players, so nine early enrollees from the 2022 recruiting class, five transfers, and there are two walk-on high school prospects. I'm not going to say that, there, that none of those guys, none of the high school guys, um, you know, are, are not going to make an impact this fall, but if, if, if we're putting them up against each other, uh, I'm going to pick somebody who's maybe played and started in the SEC over a 17-year-old kid who's just showing up on campus. So, I mean, an obvious one would be Jalen Berger, running back from Wisconsin. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's obviously – Yeah, I would – I mean, and, and the opportunity certainly there, but anybody expecting it to be Kenneth Walker, three – Kenneth Walker, the third 2.0, does that, <laughs> that work? Yeah, um, sure. I just think that you're asking for a lot. I think that's a once in a, maybe a once in a lifetime type of thing where you, where you pull a legitimate Heisman trophy candidate out of the portal and, and spends one year and he wins the Doak Walker award and, you know, Walter camp player of the year. I just, that's almost impossible to do. So I think, you know, burger one guy, and then I'd probably say, you know, and then, then you obviously it's defensive side of the ball. Maybe Jacoby Winman, you know, very, very productive linebacker at, at UNLV. You got, Aaron Brule from Mississippi State, another linebacker, Chris Bogle, defensive end from Florida. Mm-hmm. And that's an obvious position of need because they lost Beasley, Panasuk, Jordan. Um, and who knows, you know, your speed, you know, you know, they've got a ton of competition at cornerback with all these guys, but maybe he's maybe he rises to the top. So I guess I'll cheat and say two guys. I'll go with Berger or Windman just off the top of my head. But all five of those guys should be coming, they should be all five of them should be making impact the the transfers that are on campus now, which I guess I should discount his news. Speed is officially there for the spring semester. He landed in the online student directory. I think I found that on the, when we were doing the last podcast, but he is confirmed to be with them. So he'll be there for spring practice. Another question. Do you think Michigan state will try to add a veteran quarterback via the transfer portal, given their zero collegiate experience behind Thorne now, I don't think so. I think they've got young guys on the team. They've got Caden Hauser, the quarterback of the future. I think they want to give him an opportunity to compete for the backup job. You got Ham Fay and uh, Noel Kim, young guys on the roster, but maybe you feel differently. 
I w- it wouldn't surprise me, but it wouldn't be like I just would be have a hard time seeing it be a guy like Anthony Russo, where you're pulling a starter, not that Temple's the biggest program, um, but, you know, a legitimate starter who's, you know, when he left, he was third in like, you know, the passing, some major passing records there. I, I just don't think you're going to get a guy like that because – I mean, by all accounts, this is Thorne's job. You know, when, when Russo came to MSU, it was clearly open. You know, you know, Thorne had just, you know, started the one game and you got a little look. And, and what he did this year showed it's his job. So I don't think you could get a guy um, that's at that level. Maybe it's a lower tier guy. Maybe somebody that you can just – that is content to come in there and think, well, maybe I maybe something happens. Maybe I can, you know, whatever, compete for the job. But I, if they bring in a transfer, it would be, I, I would just assume it would be somebody from a lower level. And um, other than that, I think they roll with what you got. I mean, I, I, but it is less than ideal to add into a season with uh, one quarterback who's taken snaps at the college level. So beyond that, I mean, Noah Kim appeared to be the third string guy this year. Amp Faye fourth. Caten Hauser comes in uh, as an early enrollee. Um, maybe shake up that mix and we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's Thorne's job heading into the fall and, and you you know, for their sake, they, I'm sure they don't want to have to really look too far beyond that um, other than getting guys ready for the future. I'm just looking at uh, quarterbacks that are in the transfer portal right now. I mean, <clears throat> obviously not JT Daniels, uh, but you know, like, uh, I mean, you got like AJ Mayer from Miami of Ohio, Justin Rogers from UNLV, Shane Illingsworth just, just left Oklahoma state. I mean, I, these guys want to play though. They're upperclassmen. They're not going to, I just don't see them coming into a program that has an established starter. It just doesn't make sense really to me. So, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, that's what Russo's goal was last year. You know, he said it in August. He said, I didn't come here to sit. I came here to play. Well, I mean, you know, Thorne won the job and he didn't give them any reason to go beyond it. And and I, I think anybody entering the, any quarterback looking for a new home in the portal, if Michigan state was even interested. Um, yeah. I just, it just doesn't seem to make a ton of sense there. Sorry. There's a freaking mouse in my house right now. No, that ain't good <laughs> i just saw it oh my god where's my cat at i gotta get this thing in there this is crazy oh my gosh i'm trying to do a podcast here and there's like a mouse running around what are we doing a- ask him what he thought of michigan state's pick and roll defense you got some thoughts <laughs> yeah uh i'll try and get him on the line kyle okay we gotta end this pod man i gotta go handle this infestation i got in my house uh, yeah, that'll do it. I think I've uh, got nothing else to, to talk to talk about here today. We'll obviously keep an eye on everything uh, going on. Big game this weekend at the Breslin Center. We finally get to see Michigan, Michigan State. Remains to be seen if that game in Ann Arbor will be rescheduled. So, uh, you know, for our, as of today, uh, January 26th, this is the one guaranteed look we have. Uh, at the two in-state rivals, although, uh, you know, news could come down that it's rescheduled. But as Kyle and, I, Kyle and I have discussed on the pod, not a lot of spots to slide that in on the schedule. So I wouldn't hold your breath on that. And, but. and I don't sense anybody in East Lansing banging the drum that we really, really need that game either. But. Right. And and didn't we see just wasn't there a situation with Oakland and Detroit where Detroit didn't want to reschedule the game or something? I thought I saw something like that where I didn't see that. the game got canceled and they were like, Detroit straight up said, no, we're not. We don't want to do it at this point. And there's a little bit of drama going on there in the uh, in the horizon uh, section of Michigan. So but it's a similar situation, Michigan, Michigan State. So one team is motivated to do it. One isn't. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch. But uh, again, thank you for listening uh, today, everyone. 
Um, if you could please like and rate and review the podcast, it would be appreciated. Check out our work on MLive.com slash Spartans. Send in those questions. We'll answer them on a future pod. Uh, enjoy the game on Saturday. Rivalry games are always fun. Uh, need this one, man. Need this one to get the Spartans back on the right track. So for Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thanks for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. And go Green.